This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this down. one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. It's good. Oh. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he there ties the game. Creates and showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! The Yankees win! Alright, what is going on everybody? What's happening? I am your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to episode 347 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4 where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA now too. We do the Yankees every series, the Knicks every game, and MMA on the weekends, which this episode should be out by the weekend, Friday or Saturday. What's today? Is today Friday? So as I'm recording, let's check this out. It is a Friday, the 27th. So this episode... Should, I'm sorry, 25th. This episode should be out by Saturday, the 26th. Alright, so we're talking MMA, we're talking the Knicks. It's another 2-in-1 episode tonight. We'll start off by talking about this upcoming UFC Fight Night card. And then a little later into the show, we'll talk about this Knicks victory, which was definitely my favorite win of the year, far and away. And, um, yeah, welcome to the show. Once again, episode 347 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ. If you are new here to the podcast, be sure to subscribe. You can find this podcast on many platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, Breaker, Overcast, Castro, many listening platforms. You can also watch the podcast on both YouTube and Spotify. But if you want to listen to the show, and if you happen to be listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. This is currently a five-star show, and we would like to keep it that way. If you want to share the podcast, be sure to do that with your friends on social media. And while you're on your social media account, be sure to follow me. RJ Carbone on Facebook and Rob J Carbone is the handle for my Instagram. I post during the games on Facebook and I post a lot of junk on my Instagram too. I'll post some funny shit, some offensive comedy. I love dark comedy on my stories, but most of the time I say 90% of my content on Instagram is going to be me publishing my content. So follow me on both of those uh, platforms. Uh, you can also subscribe to the blog that I write. If you go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com forward slash author forward slash RJ dash Carbone. Once again, if you visit ultimatesportsnetworks.com forward slash author forward slash RJ dash Carbone, you will find my blog titled The Bomber Bocker Blog, where I write recaps of the Yankees and the Knicks Right about them both, both those teams. I've been slacking a lot lately on the Knicks. We'll get back to that, don't worry. But um, 
if you do subscribe to the to the blog, the Bomber Walker blog, be sure to do it using code 6A2841ERJC. This way you get a discount $7.99 a month. You get access to every full article and you get a discount on merch. That all out of the way, we are going to head to our first break and we'll dive into this episode talking about some MMA. All right. Um, hopefully we can keep this episode entertaining. It might be a little longer. Hopefully you guys enjoy it though. And, um, yeah, this should be out by Saturday, the very latest, because it is a preview. Uh, the first part of this episode will be a preview of this upcoming UFC Columbus card. I've been, I've been focused so much on this, um, on UFC lately. Because I, I've been, I'm still like, like I've been watching highlights of that most recent London card, which, you know, it has potential to be the fight of the year, the, the card of the year as a non-pay-per-view. So it was amazing, but this one's going to be cool too. It's kind of a quieter card, but it has a lot of names I do know. So I'm going to be into it. I've been scrolling on Instagram all week. Um... Just reading up on some of the guys that are fighting tomorrow night. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to head to break. I don't want this to go too late because I want to be able to put this up in time and not sleep so late and getting kind of hungry too, to be honest with you. So I need to sleep that off and not eat late at night because I'm getting some like advertisements on social media unnecessary unnecessary ads just like promoting pizza to me late at night chicago style pizza i was looking at somebody's story on instagram somebody was in it was uh brandon shop brandon shop and he's in chicago for a show and he's posting like photos of chicago style pizza which unpopular opinion here as somebody from the new york new jersey area I live like right on the edge of Jersey, like a half hour from New York. I really do like Chicago style pizza, and I know that's unpopular. But it's good, dude. It's like tomato cake. <laughs> but it's really good. But yeah, they, for some reason, food, late at night, scrolling on my Instagram, it's like popping up on my, on my algorithm. It's just like telling me to get fat. I'm in a good mood because the Knicks had an excellent win, and I really want to get to them. But we'll start with some UFC. Head to our first break. Be right back. Stay with us.
All right, welcome back to the show. You are listening to, or maybe watching, BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA now, too. Yankees every series, Knicks every game, MMA on the weekends. So, I am excited for tomorrow night because... I do know, although it is considered a quiet card, as somebody who is, you know, two years into the UFC as a fan, going on three, fairly new, when you find a card with a lot of fighters that you do know, you're into it. So I want to talk a little bit about this card, we'll preview, it won't be too long. But first, let's start this off with our NYY, NYK MMA question of the day, and hopefully... Hopefully you cannot hear the dog right now scratching on my door of the studio. Trying to come down here. Because it's late at night. Technically it's past midnight. It's 12.37 in the morning on Saturday as I am currently recording. And the dog's pissing me off right now because, well, it's a dog. So hopefully you can't hear it barking, screeching, and clawing at the door. Let's talk. Let's get to the NYY NYK MMA question of the day to start this thing off. You see, I've been so busy lately, I forgot to change the uh, little soundtrack theme. To uh to Bruce Buffer there. I usually have Bruce Buffer doing the uh, It's Time. But instead I accidentally kept the uh, the Knicks soundtrack. The MSG. You know the Madison Square Garden uh, theme there. <laughs> to open up this uh, question. But anyways. Episode 347. Our NYY NYK MMA. MMA. Question of the day. Simple. Who holds the record? For the longest win streak in UFC history. Who holds the record for the longest win streak in UFC history? Alright, so let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get it correct, I will give you your social media handle, maybe your podcast, your blog, anything you want me to give a shout out to, I will. I'll plug it in the next episode. If you do not get the answer correct, but you at least attempt to guess the answer, I will let you know what the answer is. In the next episode. With that out of the way, let's talk. Let's talk some uh, UFC. So, yeah, this is one again. I'm a little excited for. Um, you know, there's the the whole. Before we even talk about this card, the whole Jorge Kobe thing. I don't even want to talk about that shit. It's like. You know, so so basically, if you haven't heard by now, which I don't know where you've been, if you're an MMA fan and you have not heard yet, but long story, very very short, Kobe Covington the other night was with Nelk. I think they're called Nelk Boys now. I was I was a fan of Nelk when they were Nelk, like YouTube pranksters, and before they blew up and everybody else started hopping on the train. So I was like a big back in my high school days. I was like into Nelk. But basically, Colby was at, was with Nelk Boys. 
and uh, he was at some Miami steakhouse. And then he was practically uh, ambushed by Jorge, and they got into a bit of a scuffle. Jorge came up on him without him knowing. There were a couple videos, and you heard you know Kobe talking about how he had no idea Jorge was coming, and, and how did he know I was here? And, you know, the cops come, and they take Jorge away in cuffs. He gets arrested, charged with felony battery or something. But, you know, it's funny, because you hear fighters say this all the time, and I very much agree with it. Bisping said it the other day when he was talking about this incident. Kamaru said it, actually, on the Nelk Boys Full Send podcast um, after the Kobe fight, how when you spend five rounds in the octagon with somebody, beating the pulp out of each other, hate them, love them, you do gain some sort of respect afterwards. Right? You would understand that, too. But clearly, obviously, that does not apply with these two. They hate each other as human beings. You know, we could talk about all you want uh, about how Colby puts on this character, but he does hate Jorge, and Jorge, obviously, he takes it personal. He took it more personal. You could tell by the interviews leading up to the fight. He hates him back. And that's the thing, though, like, like uh, with this whole thing. At the same time, it's like Jorge's talking about Kobe crossing the line about his family. But, like, does he not remember the shit talk that he fed Ben Askren about his wife? Does he not remember that? And this is, like, the thing, this is just who Kobe is. We know this. Like, if you're going to play the bad guy role... You are going to play the bad guy role. There is no in between. You're either one extreme or you're another extreme. There's no one in the middle, right? And Kobe is that guy. There's no such thing as there are no such thing as uh, crossing lines when you're in that persona that Kobe is. You go to the full length and you play that role. You play the heel. And every sport, I feel like, needs one or two villains. Okay, I just spit. Um, but it's like, yeah, he's going to say shit. You just got to put it aside. I understand getting frustrated about that, but at the same time, you had 25 minutes to do something about that. You had 25 minutes to do something, but instead you get bitched around in a 50, 44. And I like Jorge. I do, man. I like him. I'm a fan of him, but that was very disappointing, dude. Pretty cowardly. You know, this guy who's, you know, labeled as humble decides to sneak attack and and come after the dude. Not a good look, especially for somebody who has not won a fight in a few years, you know, since I was just a casual fan of the sport. And the only guy I knew was like Conor McGregor. Like, you've got, it's just, it doesn't look good. I understand it. Like, if you're like somebody who has been raised in the streets and you have that mentality, I guess. But, like, it's not a good look when you consider you lost the fight and you're coming after him because you don't like the way he's talking about your family. But, again, one, you do the same thing to Ben Askren when you fought him. And, two, right after he was talking shit about your family, again, you had a half hour to do something about it. You did nothing. 
And then you've got Karen Habib Nurmagomedov on his Twitter account trying to cancel Colby Covington. But you got to think that's uh, you got to think that's not even Habib. That's got to be what's his name, the uh, Ali, right? It's got to be the manager. There's no way that's Habib. But yeah, I mean the whole thing is just stupid. I, I don't even like that I'm bringing it up right now. You know, Colby wins the fight, the actual fight, the real fight, and that's all that matters. This does not change anything. I know Colby lost a tooth. I think Jorge had to get stitches at his knuckles. Colby won the fight, the only fight. End of story. And I, again, I like Jorge, but it was a little weird to me. Let's get to our break. We'll get back, talk about this upcoming card. Stay with us. Hey guys, so I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way we can help the channel grow and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. So, if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone. Instagram at Rob J Carbone. All right, welcome back to the show, episode 347 of the podcast. Again, I'm your host, RJ Carbone, you're listening to BD4. Maybe you're watching BD4. Um, yeah, man, it was, it, it's going to be interesting. UFC Columbus, starting off tonight, technically tonight, as I'm recording. And as you're listening, definitely tonight. Uh yeah, so I know a few fights in this. Uh, I know the, the the Jennifer Maya versus. I'm gonna try not to butcher her name. Furo, 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 or Furo? I think it's Furio, Furo, Furo. <laughs> Jennifer Maya is 19, 8, and 1. In MMA, Furo is 8 and 1. I know that Furo is, and please, I I'm praying that I'm pronouncing her name correctly. She's an up-and-coming prospect in women's, uh, in the women's flyweight division. She is currently 3-0 in the UFC. She's a 32-year-old. Her last fight came in October of 2021. She's got great range control. She's pretty good in the clinch. Uh, and a very solid, solid striker. She's a big fighter, too, compared to Jennifer Maya. She's got three inches on her in height. They're the same weight, so obviously. Um, but I don't think Maya, you know, 
I don't know if she wins this because I don't know if she's going to be able to take her down. Furo. And Maya isn't exactly overpowering on the ground. Her takedowns aren't that special. She likes to strike. You know. Although she's pretty good in top position when she is on the ground. But I do think Firo takes this fight. I do. I, I think I, I'll give credit to Maya though because this is obviously a fighter that went toe-to-toe with Valentina for five rounds. Right? She had some good moments during that fight too. I remember watching that fight. Um, and then she beat Jessica I, her following fight. But now she's coming off her most recent fight. She's coming off a loss to Shukagian. Caitlin Shukagian. And um, you know, she was just completely dominated in that fight for all three rounds. I remember watching that one too. So it's going to be, a, you know, this is one of the earlier prelims. But as you get to the final prelim fight, the main featured prelim fight of the night, before we get to the main card, you got Neil Magny going up against Griffin. Griffin's a good striker. I've seen him fight a few times, not a lot. He's had a couple of good KO victories in his career. He's got a great right hand. Um, but that's really all I know about him, honestly, to give much of an opinion on this fight, I'd have to be talking about Magny, who I know more on. I like Magny. Uh, what was his most recent fight? It was like a year ago against Jeff Neal. The summer of 2021 or the spring of 21. Um, yeah, and he won that fight. He's got great work ethic. You hear all the time about his ethic. He's always in the gym. He's got the cardio for it. He's got great range himself. Um, he's got a good resume. He's fought some good, tough competition, too. I mean, he's fought guys like Robbie Lawler. He's fought Michael um, Chiesa, Ponzinibbio, Rafael Dos Anjos, uh, Carlos Condit, who I think just retired, Damian Maya, Kelvin Gastelum. Some great wrestlers in there. So I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with uh, Magni in this one. Which actually, I think I featured him in my parlay, which we're going to get to in a second. Uh, one of the fights, I think it's the second fight on the main card, is... Um, hold on here, let me just switch the slide. Is um, Olenek versus Latifi. It's a heavyweight bout. I know Olenek is a veteran of the fight game. This guy, he's going to be looking for his 60th win tomorrow night. He is 59-16-1 in professional MMA. <laughs> That's crazy. He's 8-7 in the UFC. He has lost his last three fights uh, versus some tough competition. Derek Lewis, um, actually Chris Daukas, and uh, Spivak. He's a guy who can submit you. I think that's how he wins most of his fights. He, he can get you on the ground and, and get the sub. But he's also a pretty powerful striker, especially with the leg kicks. Um, it's just not at the same volume as I think Latifi will bring. I think Latifi is a very strong striker, but has a great volume. Um, he's got the knockout power, and he's going to do it you know, uh, persistently, if that's a word. <laughs> But he's also a good grappler. He's got great takedown defense. I think it's 100%. Um, but when he's on the ground, he can wrestle. 
His wrestling game is, is better offensively than Olenek. So that's going to be a close one. I think that's also featured in my parlay, which we'll talk about in a second. It might be. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah. That's a fight that's on the main card. Also on the main card, I think it's the fight after that. The third fight on the main card. At 125, you're having Cara France. Kai Cara France going up against Askar Askarov. Cara France obviously being the uh, the kickboxer, but he's also uh, got good takedown defense himself. Whereas Askarov likes the takedown. He's going to attempt that takedown a lot, but he's also a good striker. I think if he can trap Cara France against the cage, he's got a chance to take him down. I think he wins this fight. Because Cara France, we've seen him struggle on the ground before. I think Kai wants to win this because, you know, this is a guy who he didn't he say his last after his last victory that he wants a title fight next and he's not going to fight until he gets that. But I think if he is to win this, it's got to be a knockout. I'm rooting for him. I like watching him. I think he's a fun, unique fighter. I always like the kickboxer, but um, it'll be tough for him. He's definitely the underdog in this fight. Um, as we go further on the main card, I think it's the. This might be before the co-main. Don't quote me on that. But it's at 170. It's Matt Brown. Veteran Matt Brown going against uh, Barbarina. Barbarina is 16-8. and eight. Matt Brown 25-18. and 18. This will be, I believe, the last fight of his career before he retires. And it's in Columbus. So he'll probably have the crowd behind him. Um, Matt Brown. So, I, you know, he's 41 years old. You know, he's 41. He hasn't fought since June of 2021. Whereas Brian Barberina is kind of in his prime. He last fought in July, and then he fought again in December of 2021. So he's been more active of late. I think at age 32, almost 10 years younger, it's going to take a lot for uh, Brown to win. I think Barberina, 32 years old, just has that youth. You know, at some point, it does become about age. Although, there's an exception. You know, you could talk about Glover Teixeira being a champion at light heavyweight. But still, I don't know. This could be both ways. Because he, had, you know, Barbarina hasn't exactly been letting it up either of late. Um, I think it's been since 2016 where Brian Barbarina had his last win streak. And that was only a two, only a two-fight win streak. Dates all the way back to 2016. So he's not been the same for a while. So this could go either way. You know, a lot of fights on this card, the underdog, you know, could be a good pick. Because they're all close. But yeah, uh, we'll get to the two main events. The co-main event, Alexa Grasso going up against, I think, Joanne Wood. Uh, Grasso, I know, she's in her prime right now and she's kind of got the momentum. She's 13-3 and overall in MMA, 5-3 and in the UFC. But she's been rolling a bit lately, two in a row, three of her last four. Um, whereas Wood has lost two in a row and lost three of her last four. So she does not have the momentum going for her. I think Alexa, uh, Alexa Grasso is going to win this fight. Overall, I just I like watching her. She's a very good boxer. She's got the stand-up game. She's great on her uh, on her feet, very quick on her feet. She's got quick, great hands. So I think she takes that fight. And then we get to the main event, 
where Curtis Blades will be going up against Chris Dawkins. Again, I said it in uh, 346 on the show. I said I'm always going to root for Dawkins because as a former cop, he is, not me. Um, I respect that. He's 4-1 and one in UFC. He's 12-4 and four overall in professional MMA. He's coming off a pretty brutal loss against Derek Lewis back in December. So he's looking for one here. He's looking for a win. Um, he can knock you out. Like we said, he's a KO machine. That is how he wins his fights. He is going to knock you out. And if he wants to win, he's going to have to keep moving. And he cannot stay in front of uh, Curtis Blades for too long. I think he's going to have to be constantly, you know, dancing out there. Because Blades will attack with those elbows. You know Curtis Blades likes to sting you with those elbows. And he's going to finish you with his striking. Or he can also out-wrestle you on the ground. We know he's a good wrestler. He's got a few decision wins where he racks up the points on the ground. Curtis Blades. Um, He's not a guy who can easily be put out too. So if that's going to be how Chris Dawkins wins most of his fights, this might not be a good matchup for Chris. Blades is hard to put out. So that's why I think he's going to struggle. Blades has only been knocked out by two guys his entire career. And that's Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis. So one of them being the knockout king, you know, and Derek Lewis. And the other being against the biggest dude in the motherfucking world. A man who can hit you with the same power of a, what was it, a Ford Escort? So, and I think one of those were, were Dr. Stoppage because of the eye injury. But yeah, I, I don't know. The, the the main event might not be a barn burner, but who knows? You never know. Like I said, the um, the underdogs. I feel like this could be an underdog card. But yeah, that's my little preview for UFC Columbus, um, coming up tomorrow night, or again technically tonight as I am recording because it's past midnight. And as you're listening to this, definitely tonight, Saturday, the twenty sixth. So let's head to our break. We get back, we will talk about the Knicks. We'll wrap it up with some Knicks because what a great win that was. We'll be right back. And then we'll uh actually we'll we'll, we'll be right back. We'll get to the uh we'll get to our first parlay. Our first RJ's parlay of the night. Then we'll talk Knicks and we have another parlay we want to discuss. Stay with us. Be right there. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right, folks. Now, if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review, if you so please. So once again, this is if you are listening to BD4 
on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and review. Thank you. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, RJ Carbone. You are watching or listening to maybe BD4, episode 347 of the podcast. Let's get right to it, man. Let's talk about this Knicks team. Again, if you're new here, be sure to subscribe to the show. All the listening platforms, all the platforms you can watch the show on. Follow me on social media. All that stuff, you know where to find it. Follow my blog. All that stuff. The Knicks picked up a fun victory tonight, man. Very fun victory. And I hope, again, I am sorry if you can hear the dog. Because it feels loud to me. Maybe not for you. Hopefully you don't hear this. But, I mean, she is scratching at the door. The Knicks win 111-103. to 103. Um, The defeat the Heat in Miami. So many things to talk about. I'm going to try to run through it quickly, but give you enough to formulate my own opinion here. <clears throat> quickly leads the Knicks with 23 points. Um, on the boards, you've got RJ and Obi. Eight rebounds leading the way there. Deuce leads the way. Deuce McBride. Diamond out five assists. He'll lead the way. You had Fournier, IQ, and Deuce again leading in a category with two steals to uh, propel that defense. Sims and Taj pick up a block apiece. Uh, Sims got the start. Mitch came off the bench tonight. Um, Yeah, but what a damn win. I mean, what a win that was. That was an exceptional effort that the Knicks put together. And by who? By the kids. By the guys we've been advocating for all season long. And it takes until, you know, maybe a week's worth of games left in the season for them to finally get their fair share of burn. Uh, that, that, that closing unit, you know, most of the fourth quarter, it was four prospects and one vet. Four prospects, one vet. No Julius tonight again. And with Julius, I'm sorry to say it, but you do not get that kind of speed you do not get that kind of quick decision-making on both ends of the floor with him out there. You just don't. You don't get that effort. This unit right here that we saw tonight was fearless, playing with heart and effort, and just had this resiliency to them that you absolutely adored. I was nervous there at the end because this is Thibodeau, and every time a whistle blew, every time I heard a horn, I was very scared I was going to see number 13 check into the game at the end there. But but, but he didn't. To give Tibbs some credit, he stuck with what got him there, and that was the prospects, the youth, the young players. That fourth quarter was phenomenal. Phenomenal fourth quarter. The help defense was on point. The rotations were very timely. The hedging was on point. Guys knew where to go at the right time. Offensively, we were generating some excellent looks. And this time we were hitting the shots. We were finally knocking down our three-point shots. Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride were exceptional down the stretch. Grimes had a pretty bad first half, but he comes alive down the stretch with key three-pointers. Three of them, all three of his three-pointers came in the fourth where he scored all nine of his points. And Deuce, McBride, if he starts playing like this more consistently, scored a couple of buckets tonight, knocked out a big three at the end in the fourth there, created some offense with five assists, 
some lateral passing, some north to south passing. Four of his five assists came in the fourth. He was a plus 16 tonight. If he can keep playing like that, and again, that point of attack defense is phenomenal, then you got to keep running him out there. Obi Toppin had a big impact tonight offensively in place of who? That's right, Randy. 15 more points, 8 more rebounds in 26 minutes of play. He was knocking down his threes again. He's been knocking down the three ball lately. Tonight he had two more threes from the corner and then on the wing, on the left side. But he also pull, he also pulled up, I think it was in the early fourth quarter, he pulls up for a baseline uh, midi. Bream was even shocked. So he's been hot shooting lately, and if you pay attention, he's kind of working that inside-out game. And all of his shots are coming. They usually do come within the flow of the offense, too. His first basket of the night was a tip-in down low. Then he took himself outside for a couple of wide-open three balls. Catch and shoot. Ran the break, uh, ran the break late third quarter with a finger roll. And then, again, like we said, in that fourth quarter... He hits that pull-up jumper mid-range. Again, man, if you give Obi Toppin some more minutes, if you keep letting him go out there for 20, 25 minutes, and he gets consistent point guard production alongside him, he can have nights like this more often. Maybe he's not going to start averaging 15 and 8 right away, but I do think that can be the type of player he could become if you play him often and if you get him a stable point guard. Because he's playing really well. I love the way he plays. The way he plays is the way I want every Nick to play. I want every Nick to be able to cut off the ball. To be an aggressive role man. Um, you know, to not be ball dominant. And to play hard on defense. He's not the greatest defensive player yet. But he makes his rotations. He makes them. And he plays with effort. The team defense is going to come with effort. It's going to come with experience. But I do love the way he's playing offensively. And I think that can at least develop into a consistent part of his game. Does he get the minutes? Like I said in the last episode, if you have to shave five minutes off of Randall, five off of Taj, those are ten more minutes you can give to Toppin. And right there you have him playing 20 to 25 minutes all of a sudden. Why not? At this point, what the hell's the hurt? I mean, if I was running the show, I would not put Julius out there anymore. I would pack his bags right now. Send him home to Dallas. Give me Brunson. I mean, <laughs> shit. Yeah. But I think we're in a good spot with him if we can continue to play him. That's it. Just play the kid. Play the kid. He's deserved it. He really makes impact when he's out there. And this was a good defensive team in Miami. Good front court. Out of bio ain't no joke. And again, quickly, he's been a good catalyst. Lately, the fourth quarter tonight, again, he was running the show. Now, he didn't have the assist numbers tonight like he's been getting lately, but in his 24 minutes, three assists versus zero turnovers is very efficient. He scores 23 points, 6 for 12 shooting, 8 for 8 on the line. He's out there making key defensive plays, hunting for mismatches in the half court, using screens. Down the stretch, the big three-point shots. The free throws that were not overturned, thankfully. He ends up hitting them both, and then the very next possession, he gets the steal and then the finish and transition. I love the way he's he's been playing. Defensively, he's running point guard offensively. Love it. 
I'm not giving up on him yet as a playmaker either. I'm not. I still think he's got a chance to be a decent point guard. Jericho Sims. This kid looks promising, man. Not lying to you. Six points tonight. Seven rebounds. Two assists. A block in 28 minutes. Three, and I mean huge, outstanding rebounds down the stretch. He was working the glass like a young Tyson Chandler. One of them especially was big. You had Emmanuel quickly missing a three-point shot, I think from the right wing. Sims grabs the board, I think ends up in RJ's hands who gets fouled. It was a big rebound. And RJ, RJ had 18 points tonight, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. He didn't have a great night, 5 for 17. Um, You know, his ball control was pretty poor too. He had five turnovers, and I think all of them came in the first half. It was a pretty dreadful first half for RJ. Most of it was the first quarter, which was really bad. But he was settling for way too many threes tonight. I think he was two for ten. I just thought he had to be more aggressive and attack the hoop. There was none of that tonight. You didn't really see him attack the hoop. The majority of his shots were just chucks from three. But you're starting to see him, you know, a big part of him not being aggressive is because... As the number one guy now, especially without Randall out there, you're starting to see him have to adjust to the double team. He's getting a lot of those doubles. They're trapping him early at the top. So he's going to have to adjust to that. Uh, Defensively, he was kind of getting cooked by Butler, not going to lie. I think Butler finished with 27, I think. So he didn't play a ton down the stretch because it wasn't his night. But he did, got to give him credit, he did check in late. He came in, and that was on that Sims possession where he got the board, passed it out to RJ, and RJ gets fouled. He did knock down some important free throws, so you got to give him credit there. Taj Gibson played a big role down the stretch. There was that one big stop he had on the perimeter, which played a big role. But yeah, it was just an all-around, an all-around great win for the Knicks. Um, again, one of my fa- it was my favorite. It was definitely my favorite win of the season. You gotta love the way the prospects played. They led the victory. And remember, at the Garden last time we played the Heat, you were hearing the Let's Go Heat chants. Well, tonight, if you were watching, you heard it. In in FTX? Is it FTX Arena? You were hearing the Let's Go Nick chants. Honestly, man, Julius can take his time. Rest up, pal. Please. Please. Because I would love to get an even longer look at this current unit right here. Again, it's not about tanking, guys. Never been about tanking with me. I just want to see the kids get their opportunities. And if they can win with that, that's even better. I'm not worried about the draft. No Nick fan should be, given our luck in the lottery. Um, but yeah. And if you heard the post game, I don't know if anybody watched Tibbs in the post game. But this is why he's been rubbing me the wrong way all season long. Talk about, we always poke fun at him being this stubborn boomer. This is literally a stubborn boomer who hates this generation. Dude, it's it's literally him. I mean, he, this is a win. He got super defensive. Looked even more miserable than his norm. Making excuses 
in a game where we won. It was probably our best effort all season long. He was undoubtedly upset that we won this game, and I'll tell you why. He's upset because we won with the young players and not because of his way. I was stunned. But at the same time, not really, because that's who he's been. I mean, he's, he may as well have said it out loud to the press. I'm pissed off that we won because of the youth and not the veterans. That's I mean, if he could have checked Randall into the game, he would have done it. That's why I was so shocked that Fournier did not check in. It was so frustrating. It was like, really, dude? This is our best win of the year. Let's head to break. One more break. We'll wrap this up with two. We got two. Uh, parlays to go over tonight. RJ's parlay. All right, stay with us. We will be right back. Hey, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker Blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC799 a month. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomber Bocker blog that you use promo code 6A2841ERJC. 6A2841ERJC. Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab, searching the Bomber Bocker blog. And there you have it.
What is happening? Welcome back to the show. Episode 347 of BD4. I am your host, RJ Carbone. We were actually going to do this first parlay at the top of the show. Forgot to do that. But here we go. Here we go anyways. Welcome to RJ's Parlay. Where my degenerate self breaks down tonight's big parlay. If I miss, it's not surprising. If I hit, I'll probably lose it all tomorrow night. Because that's how this works. Welcome to RJ's Parlay. So tonight's parlay, our first one at least, is actually going to have, you know, these these fight these are fights for the upcoming card so they have not happened yet but got a good chance to it's just the three pick parlay i think that's where i'm going to hover now for now on those 10 pick parlays i usually end up hitting like nine legs nine of those legs and then the 10th one is just a fail i think the three pick parlays around 200 to 400 plus 200 to plus 400 odds are, are where i want to live so we'll see how this works i've got Neil Magny on the money line versus, uh, I think it's Max Griffin. I've also got Matt Brown and Brian Barbarina going over one and a half rounds in this fight. And then finally, I've got Alexa Grasso on the money line versus Wood. So it's a three-pick parlay for plus 214 odds. And again, this is for UFC Columbus, the fight night card that starts Saturday night, the 28th. No, the 26th. Saturday, the 26th, UFC Columbus. So that was my parlay. That's going to be my parlay. We already made the bet for this upcoming fight in a few hours. Let's get to our second of the day, of the episode, our second RJ's Parlay. Let's get to it. So actually, this parlay is ongoing, or at least that final one is. I got to check if that game might be over. Um, But yeah, welcome back. (laughs) Should we do the intro again? Let's do it. Welcome back to RJ's Parlay, where my degenerate self breaks, breaks down tonight's big parlay. If I miss, it's not surprising. If I hit, I'll probably lose it all tomorrow night, because that's how this works. Welcome to RJ's Parlay. This parlay, we did most of it came, uh, most of it featured tonight's Knicks Heat game. We had the first pick on this on this parlay was the Knicks plus eighteen and a half alternate spread against the Heat on the road. They covered that because they won. We had Barrett over fourteen and a half alternate points. I hit that. He finished with eighteen. We had Barrett over one and a half alternate assists. We hit that. He finished with four. I also had Butler, Jimmy Butler, over 14 and a half alternate points. He had 20 something. Out of bio, over nine and a half alternate points. 
He was in double figures somewhere. And then lastly, which I'm going to check right now. Hopefully I, I hit this. I had Philadelphia 76ers on the money line going up in uh, going up against uh, the Clippers in Los Angeles. Let's check on that. They were winning last time I checked. It was Philly at halftime. Hopefully. And if that cashes, then we win this one. This was plus 210 on seven picks. Six picks. Yes, they did win. Wow. Pretty big one, too. So good. We won. We hit it. There we go. Now, like I said, we'll probably lose all these earnings tomorrow night. <laughs> all right, good. Nice win. All right, guys, that's it. That's all we've got for this episode. Again, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Talked a little UFC, the upcoming card, and we talked about the Knicks because they picked up a wonderful victory tonight. Again, my favorite victory of the season. That's all I've got for this episode, guys. Just made it under an hour, so hope you guys enjoyed it. And um, I'll see you in the next show. I'll see you in 348. All right. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.